For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome back to the latest episode of the Full Court Press with your usual hosts and people from this show. Sitting straight above me, Ariel Tias. Sitting to the left, left, Marco Romo. And sitting in, we'll call that the northwest corner of the stream today, we have the Adam Barai. So, Adam, thank you for joining us. I think Alex Toledo is going to be joining us in a little bit. Before we get going, someone had a static on their mic. Uh, I'm calling Marco. I still got it. <laughs> We're still right. there. <laughs> okay. It's definitely Marco. Yeah. So, anyways, if you guys have been watching the playoffs, the playoffs have been super fun to watch this year. We'll get into game seven, game six, Lakers, whatever it may be, round two. But since we have Adam gracing us with our presence today. Come on. <laughs> listen, I got to do it. You're a guest. We are going – to talk heat to start, uh, we haven't. I haven't heard about the heat honestly in a week since they lost. Uh, it's kind of been refreshing to not hear about it a little bit because it was a rough season. But we can already start looking into the off season. We can start looking specifically at the numbers, what's possible, what's not possible, what free agents are going to be available as they get eliminated, what players aren't going to be available because they're carrying their team in a game seven against Dallas Mavericks, you know, things like that, right? So we want to get into the general conversation about the Miami Heat right now. Um, Adam, I guess we'll start with you. What should we expect from a salary cap perspective? The Heat should – what's feasible? What can actually happen this summer? Honestly, I think cap space or the idea of cap space – we lost Marco. The idea of cap space, I think, is really different as it opposed to previous years, as opposed to different eras in the NBA. I think cap space is, is really artificial, in terms of the NBA, every contract can be moved. Every contract can be made. Uh, if you don't have max space, you can easily get to max space with one or two simple moves. I think it, cap space might be the most artificial hindrance from a team being able to go get a guy that they really want. Um, that being said, if a player wants to come to Miami, uh, if two players want to come to Miami, two max guys, the Heat can make it happen. Okay. So I, I think this idea that the Heat don't even have one max contract slot available is, is kind of BS to me because you've seen it time and time again with multiple teams that they can do whatever they really want if that player wants to come. You know, you saw a few years ago the Warriors moved Harrison Barnes to Dallas for and they just gave up what? They gave up a second-round pick to move him so that they can get Kevin Durant. You saw double sign and trades a few years back with both the Celtics and the Hornets and the Nets and the Warriors. Uh, so I think the Heat have a lot of avenues 
Um, they have a lot of different ways that they can accomplish what they want to do. Uh, if they want to make marginal changes, all they have to do is stay as a cap team. Uh, but obviously, if you want to make significant changes, I think you need to be an over-the-cap team and have certain options picked up, most notably Goron and uh, Andre Guadal. You pick up those options, we can have a lot of fun with different things that you can do. Uh, sign-in trades, you're talking Duncan, you're talking uh, Kendrick with a double sign-in trade. Yes, Ben. Um, so I think there's a lot of options that the Heat can can have and come to fruition. It just depends on what they're looking to do and who wants to come to the Heat. So you mentioned Igudala and Dragic, which is interesting because, one, no one wants to see Goran wear any other jersey in the Miami Heat. I feel like that's just the way that a lot of Heat fans have operated. You caught flame. You got flamed, absolutely cooked, for saying that he was uh, – Pretty much if a team gave you two first-round picks in the middle of the season, you would move him. I'm not going to say whether you were right or wrong. I was right. So. <laughs> I, was, I was right. No, no, no. no. Um, it's, a, it's okay. Right. It's okay to say I was right. It's okay. 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 You were right, but. Asterisk season. <laughs> no, 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 no. No, no, no. No. Okay. The Heat executives were supposedly laughing at my ideas. I am laughing at their sweep. <laughs> That's, that's wow, give yourself so much credit here. I'm not that's, taking. I'm not taking the credit. Adam, it wasn't even this is Adam right now. This is Adam. This is all he's doing the entire stream. He's just gonna. I mean, you could say that with that. any guy. You yeah, could, honestly, take your victory lap. You deserve it. You really do. Because you were <laughs> right about virtually everything that happened this entire year. I mean, a lot of people were right about this season. Listen, I agree. If this was 2K, Adam, 100 percent right. <laughs> but Adam, we don't just trade people. So ask a question here. So those two contracts, if they were to opt in and pick up those options for Iggy and Goran, how much would that be worth in terms of just adding up those two contracts? All right. Well, let's pull up the uh, the sheet that I have. Ooh. I think it's right here. Preparation. So, so right now, if we're looking at it, we have 19440000 team option for Goran and for Andreas Guadalajara. So how much is that? Quick math. 34 and a half. Right. Mm-hmm. So that is almost just picking up those two guys, the max slot for certain guys, certain guys being uh, Dame Lillard's contract next year. Kawhi Leonard would be at 39 million. Um, who else would it be? Uh, you can get, you can easily get a Kyle Lowry and then some with that money. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's a lot of different things. Anyone that has a $39 million cap starting next year, which a lot of good players do indeed have, uh, Goran and Iggy, just them by themselves, almost get you there, right? So it's just depending on now, do you have the assets to fill up for the other guys or do you uh, can you move a Tyler with those two in order to get another guy? Uh, it's just depending on what guy wants to come to Miami and how much they're making. And I think we should just make it clear for anybody who's not familiar with the trade rules in the NBA, you don't have to be at the number for the player you're training for. Uh, the outgoing salaries have to be within 20% of that of that of the incoming salary. So if you're sending out 34 and a half million before attaching any assets to it, you can absorb a 39 million contract in return, 40 million, 41, even somewhere in that range. Right. This is like the X factor for the summer, basically, right? Because yeah. And me and Adam have been talking about this for a while. I mean, just texting about it like last week. And that's it kind of 
to me, it's like the hidden flexibility. I feel like we, we, we've known about the cap space. That was the talk, uh, I think, going into the season before the BAM extension, before the Giannis extension. It was about the cap space, the cap space. And Adam turned me here. Like, this is really, like, low-key. They have a lot of flexibility. They have a lot more mm-hmm. than I thought they would. This summer, I, mean, I was already in the mindset of when, when I first started texting Adam about, like, you know, they got the cap space they're going to go after uh, a big player with, you know, let's say most likely Cal Lowry. And then, you know, they'll have some exception money to play with, and it just won't be a lot because I believe once they get to that uh, once they get to that cap limit, I'm, I'm forgetting the word right now, I'm blanking out, but once they get there, that, min- that mid-level exception turns into a smaller one, and so it becomes like half the amount that you can even – It's actually the opposite. Yeah. Okay, if okay. I knew I had that wrong. If you're a tax-paying team, then it cha- the amount is, is less than it is for the Heat. I don't believe they're a tax-paying team. I think their uh, total team salary this past year was somewhere like a million over the cap or something. Uh, so they're not in the luxury tax, and therefore I believe they have the full mid-level exception, which is worth like $9 million or so to use this summer if they operate over the cap, which, like Adam was saying, is most likely because, again, cap space is artificial. You don't need it. If Kyle Lowry wants to come to the Heat, the Heat can easily execute a sign and trade there, and you still have the contracts. If you pick up Iggy and, and uh, Goron's options, you retain the, the, the cap holds on all of your free agents who you can then sign and trade. You really don't need the cap space. Yeah. And it becomes like pretty much outside of the, the space itself, the priority over those exceptions. And I think that's where really where my mindset has changed over the past couple mm-hmm. of weeks is like, I don't really know what they will be able to do with those exceptions as far as adding significant enough depth and trying to address multiple holes like we all want to. But this right here, like now you've got some real flexibility because you're just telling, mm-hmm. you're telling me that as long as you can work out something with another team, like you can get to that money still use the cap space and retain guys that you want to retain. And I think that's the move in order for this team to really take the next step because that's what's available to them. But honestly, I'm just really surprised at how much they can do now. Well, I mean, if you, if you look at it like this, um, the cap, the salary cap is going to be at 112 next year, almost 113. So let's say you keep Jimmy and Bam Tyler, Precious, and Casey, as it's written on the sheet right here. That's $72.6 million plus the seventy-seven for the Ryan Anderson $5 million. How much money do you have? Uh, you would then have $77, just doing quick math. You'd have $34.5, but that's including the Duncan Robinson and Kendrick Nunn cap holds, which is really, really low, and I think that's something we're going to have to take a, a, a look at. <laughs> um, so, look. <laughs> You're looking at Kendrick Nunn. I, I honestly think they might renounce Kendrick Nunn if something ends up happening uh, just because it opens up a little bit more space. But let's say you can, theoretically, you can keep Duncan, Kendrick, get another max guy, keep Jimmy and Bam, mm-hmm. and use the $9 million exception on a guy like Jay Crowder. Ooh. Or Rudy Gay. Is Jay under contract? Did he not sign? No, no, no. Jay, Jay is under contract. I, I mean, the oh, you mean a similar player. right? Got yeah. right. That would be is, your four, your prototypical. That, four, that would be an auto porter. No, I think he's he's he has the player option, right? He's taking his player option. Is I can tell player? Adam's been thinking on this. <laughs> Give us some more scenarios. 
So, um, Adam, I do want to get to one of these comments here from Ali Sibai. I apologize if I'm pronouncing that incorrectly. Pretty much what they're saying, is it possible we pick up Iggy and Goron's options before knowing who wants to come? I wouldn't do that. Uh, I would tamper and know who's coming. Look, uh, I'll say this. You're not picking up those options unless you know somebody's coming. So those are the key. Those two contracts are the key as to know what the plans are really going to be for this offseason. It was I'm trying right. to get to. Right. Yeah. So you can't get up to close to max uh, contract space if you don't pick up Goran and Iggy's uh, options. So if you pick up those options, you'll have the space to go get a Dame, a Kawhi, someone like that, or even Kyle Lowry if Kyle demands that much money. Mm-hmm. How about this? Well, Do you Adam- believe that – if they do pick up those options, it's an indicator or yes. Yeah. So there's no if chance they pick they up those agree options, that it's know. a good enough deal to re up them on. If they, if they pick up those options, they have something done. And okay. the deadline to pick up those options is August 1st. Huh. Oh, there we go. And now we wait for August 1st. Right. Which is the day before free agents negotiations start. So, so Adam, okay. how so, much, Sorry, how much no, cap ahead, space? How much cap space would the Heat have if they chose to not pick up the team options and operate as a room team? Well, let's just look at it real quick. <laughs> just do the math. I mean, you have Jimmy, Bam, Tyler, Precious, KZ, and then you add nine million dollars for Kendrick and Duncan plus five million. That's what. That's the seventy-two or seventy-seven. Uh, I don't know which one. And seventy-seven is, is the it, are the salaries that are on the books. So the five guaranteed salaries at the top there, plus uh, Ryan Anderson's five point two. So it would be eighty-two. Or am I it wrong would, there? No, it would be seventy-seven, plus the cap holds for both Duncan and Kendrick, which totals nine point four. So you're looking at eighty-six point four. Right. Um, yeah, which puts you at about 26, 27 million in space, I believe. Right. So 112 minus 86.4, you're at 25 and a half. Mm. And if you believe our reports, Kyle Lowry is looking for about 25 million a year. So for two years. So that would give you easily Kyle Lowry, and you could call it a day. You could sign Kyle. Uh, you don't have to pick up those options from Goran and Iggy. And then you still have the $9 million exception and you can pick up and keep Duncan and Kendrick. But so the, what we're saying pretty much is the team is going to get better this off season because of the flexibility. Yeah. But they have to, I mean, better. yeah. Like, like, okay. So when you break, what, when you, what when it all you boils down, the team has so many paths to get better that it's really hard to see them messing this up again. Right. I mean, just name a player, and I could give you three different avenues in order in which you exactly. want to get them. Okay. Uh, Chris Paul. Through trade. LeBron. You want Chris Paul? I mean, look, you. <laughs> like I said, salary cap is artificial. So you can trade for a guy that's going to be a free agent. You can sign if somebody opts into their player option, you can go pick him up. Maybe even a guy on his rookie skill deal, you can trade for his hold and then sign him. It's really rare that we see that. So, if, for instance, a John Collins, mm-hmm. okay, he's got a, a, a hold. Uh, you could trade for him and sign him so that I don't more he teams doesn't do enter this. the market. Uh, because it's, it's 
because everybody's got to be. I mean, we saw Milwaukee do it. I know Greg was was talking about it the other day. We saw Milwaukee do it with Malcolm Brogdon, where they didn't pay Malcolm and they traded him. They signed and traded him, and they were gifted with a first round pick because of it. Mm-hmm. Wow. So look, you, there's a lot of different avenues we can we could talk Kyle Lowry and Kawhi. There's a way for them to do that. There's a way for them to get Dame and another guy. I mean, you could do a lot. Kawhi and John Collins. I mean, I'm sorry, uh, Lowry and John Collins. Uh, okay, so if you want, you said Lowry and John Collins in that scenario. Can you you just uh, you get the both of them? Uh, I mean, you you accept the two team options and you sign a trade them to Atlanta. Is that what it is? Right. So what you could do is you can pick up the options on um, Goran and Andre. You pick up the options on Goran and Andre, flip them to Toronto. You get them back. Well, see, that's see that that would be a waste of your cap space if you do that or the options because then that's like thirteen million that you would have left unused. And then there's the other thing. That's the reason why I didn't really like the Myers Leonard deal uh, because I would have rather they kept Myers for this flexibility this summer. Uh, like as as bad as it sounds, I would have kept him. Uh, and I was fine with him being paid ten million dollars because it doesn't have any indication of what their cap space was going to be last summer. They could have given him twenty million dollars; it's no different. Okay, so that's kind of why I was against the Trevor Reza deal because that team option that they have going forward is so important, and I think a lot of teams are going to adopt that in the future. So, so with John Collins, go ahead. No, no, no. I'll- I was going to praise Andy Ellisberg, but I'll wait. It seems like they still have enough, though. I get what you're saying. I do. I know I always go against you when you oh, they, say they, that because I love enough. the reason. But they, they, they do have enough, but you could be talking. To uh, add an impact player, they still have outside of the cap space, I'm saying. I think they, it seems like they still have enough. Right. They, they just don't I have mean, enough I mean, they the do. Next. It just sucks because you got to get Goran out of here. Like that's the <laughs> – before right, maybe you had the, the option thing. of Andre you, and Myers. And, you know. Yeah. Yeah, so that's, do you go sentimental? Fair. Are you gonna are you gonna be sentimental this summer and you're gonna keep Goron? I mean, the options that they have to weigh is do you pick up his option in order to get an incremental increase of value in that position, or do you keep Goron at a value contract this summer? Let's say the biannual, which is three million. You could keep Goron for that in price, and he's gonna outplay that contract. Mm-hmm. If you trade him away and he gets bought out and he ends up going to Dallas, you can't sign Goron for another year. Right. So you have to weigh that. Is the player that you're going to get if you pick up Goron's option worth it enough to not have Goron come back at a good deal next year? It's got to be, right? Because, like, why else would you be trading for such a a big contract if it's not somebody you believe in to be a part of the core, I feel like, or at least a a package of guys that you believe in to be a part of a – like an upgrade there to your core – Right. I mean, this is good stuff, though. Like, I know we, we've gone deep into the cap stuff. Cap I think 101. Cap this is good stuff for Heat fans. Like, like you should cap. be excited. You should be excited. We can, go deeper. we can go deeper. We haven't even talked I mean, about the dead, the dead spot uh, cap holds and how that factors into the equation. But in reality, like Adam's saying, they have a ton of avenues, whether they choose to operate over or under the cap, uh, to improve the team. Uh, with that said, Adam, do you think – if you had to guess, is it more likely that they operate over the cap or under the cap? Uh, over the cap, but not in the way that you think. I don't think they pick up the options because I don't think somebody will be there for them. 
Wow. I think they end up over the cap by keeping Duncan mm. uh, and, and then signing a Kyle Lowry type. So if I were to guess what they end up doing this summer, it's they sign Duncan. I'm going to just throw a number out, $18 million. Uh, they let Kendrick go, just walk away. They sign Kyle Lowry to 25 for two years. And no options. they sign somebody with $9 million. Uh how about three years, twenty-five million each year? Third year is a team option. Hmm. Interesting. So you're saying they get that, and then they have the mid-level, and you use that on a guy like, say, Rudy Gay. Right. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. Oh, well, we do have we do have this donation. We do have this donation. I think I'm lagging out really quick. Ariel, if you want to get this one from Michael Regalado. You're good. I'll get it. Um, Michael Regalado, thank you for the four ninety nine dono. He says, if Lillard becomes available, then we trade the whole house besides Jimmy for him and try to bring in Kawhi. Um, what, what, I would say, take. what I would say to that <laughs> is that's one of the only scenarios. Now, look, the Heat aren't trading Bam. I, am, I, I don't know anything for a fact, but if I had to bet my life on it, they're not trading Bam. I think that maybe would be one of the only scenarios where maybe they could talk themselves into putting him on the table where you're getting a superstar and then another star comes with him. Otherwise, though, if it's just a deal for Dame and the price tag is bam and you don't have a commitment from anybody else, I have a hard time seeing them doing something like that. So then how do you bring in Kyle Lowry and Kawhi if, if an option were to exist? Again, we're not saying – like I, I think Kawhi leaving is maybe at a 10% chance right now. You need the clips to get swept in round one. Round two. two. Round two. two. Right. You need to get embarrassed right now. Yeah. Think right. A so, no. I do think there's a chance. We can get you into that like later, just though. wiping them out and embarrassing them? Hey. I don't yeah. think that's likely, I mean, but it would be pretty funny. I'm not going to lie to you. So how do you how do you do it? How do you do a Kyle Lowry and Kawhi deal? You flip Bam to a team with cap space and a lot of picks maybe a team that already owns one of your picks you recoup a whole bunch of draft capital and then you flip some of that in a sign and trade for Kawhi, and then you're under the cap and then ideally you can sign kyle lowry or you use the other draft capital that you still have to acquire kyle lowry in a sign and trade as well so it's really complicated why can't you just hold on i'm confused why can't you just like the same thing that we've been talking about you can't you can't get the guys to opt in and trade them over there to to the clip, obviously they gotta agree to that. I'm, I'm, right. I'm not even talking about that part, but like in, in theory, can't you just get the guys? Uh, I mean, you opt in to Andre and Goran, trade them over for whichever one makes sense. I guess Kawhi to to match the money, and then you sign Larry into cap space. You can't do something like that. I mean, like what? what you Why do we gotta do trade is... Bam? That's what I'm asking. The only way <laughs> to wouldn't, not wouldn't trade space. Bam, yeah, the only way to not trade Bam was would be if you sign and trade Duncan. You do. Doubles – well, no, there's no way because there's two different things that need to happen, right? If a if you were allowed to do two sign-and-trades in one summer and there was no such thing as a salary, a luxury cap, then you can do it. So the hard cap, hypothetically, yeah. hypothetically, the only way to do that would be you pick up the two options on, uh, uh, on Duncan – or not on Duncan, on Goran and Iggy. You trade them to the Clippers and you trade, let's say, Tyler – to make that work. Uh, so you, now you have Kawhi. And then you do a double sign and trade where you 
trade Duncan to the Raptors and you get back Kyle Lowry. Now that would put you over the hard cap or um, the uh, at 100. It I think tri- it's 130. It right, triggers it's 136 cap. million. Right. So it, it, it's impossible. You have to trade if you're if you want to bring in two new big pieces. You have to trade Bam or Jimmy, or tell one of those two new pieces to fuck off. And that's what I'm, that's the second thing I'm doing. I love Kyle Lowry, but if you're talking about Kawhi or him or Bam, yeah, I know I know who I'm kicking out. That's all I got to say. Well, the Absolutely. scenario. No, you're right in a vacuum, but I think the scenario that we're we're you know putting on the table here is one where they come as a package deal, and so the only way to really make right. that happen is you probably have to move Bam. Which I think is well, the only way that they come. The good thing is yeah. Kawhi's staying because the Clippers are going to the finals. <laughs> you think so? Yeah. I mean, been, my agenda no. has been clear for the last three months. That's all I'm going to say. But no, it's, it's Kawhi and role players on that team. The disrespect to Luke Kennard is just out of control. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. I think he had 11 points in that game. You guys think the Clippers come out? Let's get to that. Let's get to the Clippers. I'm lagging all over the place right now. But so the Clippers won against Luca because it wasn't anybody else playing basketball on Mavs. And I mean, seriously, do you guys think that the, I mean, the Jazz, I feel like the, the Clippers have to be the worst matchup for the Jazz because they have the wings and the Jazz don't. Do you guys see the Clippers winning this series? I do. I do personally. Uh, it's weird because. I had this scenario in my brain running where if the Mavs had made it, I would have picked the Mavs to beat the Jazz, like, seriously. Uh, but they have this, uh, the you know, the heliocentric uh, nature of Luka is the kind of thing that uh, works against a Jazz team. You saw how uh, that was vulnerable with, with the Memphis uh, matchup, but Josh is not on his level, and those role mm-hmm. players aren't at the level that the Mavs role players are even at, even if they aren't, like, it's not they're not good, but they're better than what the Grizzlies had, uh, and they're also older, better. They're vet veterans and all that, and I think they would have gave the Jazz trouble to where the Clippers, they have uh, multiple kind of shooters. They're uh, they're the only team that's better at shooting than the Jazz are, and that's kind of their uh, go-to thing is the shooting. And I think the Clippers they had good practice with the Mavericks as well. They can uh, cover the shooters a lot better. They got better after uh, Game Four. Uh, the numbers said they were contesting more three-pointers after the, uh, the fourth game. They finally understood the assignments a little better. Uh, and the Clippers uh, guarded the paint uh, even better than uh, I would have thought, uh, mostly because they were keeping the maps out of the paint that weren't Luka. And even Luka was mostly getting his points from the mid-range. And that's not where the Jazz operate. The Jazz are a straight-up three or we're getting in the paint team. And I'm not going to trust Rudy Gobert to cover – uh, a five-out team like the Clippers. They've had their practice against big dudes like Boban, and they they've ha- they've seen everything. It reminds they can keep me their of, bigs on the floor. Yeah, and it reminds yeah. me of the the Spurs. Y'all remember the Spurs Mavs series of the first round, twenty fourteen. That oh, went to man. seven. That went to seven, and nobody thought that the Spurs were gonna go back to the finals against the Heat that year. And they just straight up went four, like three straight series where like no. No, none of them went more than five games. And I don't think the Clippers are going to go through that. I just like that they went to this, like, tribulation in the first round and got it and out got of the through way. it. And <laughs> got through it. Everybody thought they were dead. I think they're going to probably win this series. I'm not going to pick them to make the finals yet. Uh, I know Gad has a lot of money riding on that. 
No, I don't. I just I have propaganda all over the place. I don't have money riding on. I just okay, have propaganda. Okay. That's all it is. So so many agendas on this side. There's right. a trillion what accusations. <laughs> but yeah, I'm gonna go with the Clippers in like six. But I still don't trust them. Uh, I only trust Kawhi. He's putting up like 60, 40, 90 numbers. So yeah. <laughs> Clips in six feels right. I agree. Yeah, I think I think I'm around there too. Um it's funny because when we did the the preview for the first round before the playoffs started, um, I remember I had the Mavericks, uh, sorry, the Clippers just destroying the Mavericks. Uh, my reasoning was that the Mavericks really don't have the wings uh, that you need in order to bother Kawhi and Paul George. And even when you do, it usually doesn't really matter. They're so good. Um, and even given that, like the Clippers, like you guys said, were in some real trouble in this series. I mean, losing games one and two at home and then going on the road down 0-2 is, is a, a really bad spot to be in. And they responded by winning four or five. My reasoning, while I think the Jazz are probably the better basketball team, they execute offensively with more precision. I think they're a little bit more connected and they have more things that they can get to. To me, Kawhi is just one of those dudes that like when he and I tweeted this um, the other day, when he decides to turn it on, it's over. Like, thanks for coming. Don't let the door hit you on the way out. We're winning this game. Um, he just can take it to a level that there are probably less than five or six guys in the entire NBA that can, you know, take their game to that kind of level. Um, like you guys said, I don't really think the Jazz have the wings to bother uh, the Clippers guys. So I'm going to go with the Clippers as well in this series. I think the Jazz will keep it really competitive. It might. I could see it going seven. Um, but ultimately, in that kind of scenario, I'm going with Kawhi. I think he's the best player in the series. I think that that is the deciding factor here. So we all got Clippers. Can I ask a quick one? That we, don't, we don't need to break it down because we're obviously – this is getting ahead. But now, I, you know, my mind has been kind of marinating on everything. Clippers, Suns, Western Conference Finals, I want to see it. I, absolutely. That, yeah. That's what I wanted the whole year. I love We're that. not going to see it. Why? Jokic? Uh, no, I, I just I don't trust I don't trust the Clippers winning at home, let alone in Utah. Just, I just think they got past the, the worst part already. The no. Worst matchup. I, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, yes, Luka is a nightmare. Between the against... two, I mean. Between the versus the, the Jazz matchup, I mean. Sure, but I I just think that like a a guy like Rudy, he just covers up a lot of the holes that the Utah Jazz defense has. Uh, offensively, like he's the rock. Offensively, he just moves people around and he he forces things to happen. And defensively, he covers up all of their weaknesses. Uh, I I do not think that Rudy is the best fit, the best player in the playoffs. But I I I think. The dominance that the Utah Jazz, even with Donovan Mitchell not playing, was pretty evident. That I I, I can't go against the what are, they're the one seed, right? Yeah, Overall, I can't go against. I can't go have against a lot of firepower. I will say okay. though, my I will say though that this kind of like I agree with what you're saying about him being such an impactful defensive player. I'm not the biggest Rudy Gobert guy by any means. You hate um, Rudy but Gobert. I hate Rudy Gobert. Okay. But um, in this particular matchup. Um, you know, the, the way Rudy generally drops every pick and roll, every screen action, he's dropping. Now he plays a little bit higher up uh, than I think people generally like to acknowledge. He's not that deep all the time. 
But in a matchup against Kawhi and Paul George, they're going to be fl- coming off screens. They're going to spam, pick and roll, involve Rudy Gobert. And I think they'll be able to step into a lot of good looks or hit the roll, man, if Rudy plays up. So it's, a lot of looks they want to take. What's that? Players. The that's a lot of like Kawhi and Paul George. They love to take those looks. Yeah, that's exactly. They they're happy right. doing that. Like they will – Reggie Jackson, when he decides it's Reggie Jackson time, will hit six straight <laughs> mid-range in a row for absolutely no reason. And Rudy Gobert can't do anything about it. I mean, that's right. just – the way the Clippers are. They have role players that can step up. Are they going to be consistent? No, but honestly, if Paul George is just a number two option in the series, which he was last series, then you're going to be fine. And he hasn't even shot the ball well from three. So if that were to happen, mm-hmm. Clippers and six. Clippers and six. I get what Adam's saying, though, like the trust factor. Like <laughs> the Clippers haven't shown you as much throughout the years to earn that trust. Uh, but again, have the Jazz done that, you know, nope. and have – that's Donovan Mitchell proven that just from the one bubble series last year. And, you know, he's still working his way back, and he still looked, like, pretty good. Are you going to trust him to be the best player in the series, or do you even need him to be? Or do you just need everybody else to just be adequate like they were throughout the year and to get them past the series? Uh, it's kind of like who you trust at least a little bit. And I see why Adam would, like, at least go with Utah. Uh, right. I think it's, it's going to be a close series either way, and I just can't wait to watch it. I mean, while we're ooh, sorry, go ahead, Aaron, go ahead, go ahead. Um, I was going to say while we're while we're on the topic of Kawhi, PG, the Clippers, and the Jazz, uh, I want to thank MT for the 199 dono here. He says trade for Paul George if available. If so, what's the deal? I will defer what the deal is to Adam. All I will say is I would imagine the Heat would probably be interested, but I will let Adam educate you all on that. I don't think there's any deal that the Heat can make for Paul George. Uh, you're assuming. Alex, are you saying something? You muted. Whoops. Uh, I was gonna say they can't do the opt-in stuff with uh, with with PG. Then Is what are you what, what are you trading the, the Clippers? You need to make so them better. You're getting beat by the Knicks and the Hawks in any scenario. I wish it weren't true, but, like, but it is true. Even Goran if, and Andre, man, they need a point guard. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, you're gonna tell me like, Goran isn't better than Reggie Jackson? No. Yes. We think he's going to be better next year, but are we sure? <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. I mean, look, look give him uh, three and a half months. I don't think – look, when you're talking about a PG deal, you have to remember what they gave up to get him, which is Shea and then every pick that they own. And Gallinari, which they ended up – like, Gallinari's a player. So, are you no, going I'm just talking to... about to get to the, the money, not that Goran and Andre would be the oh, deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have the money to do it. The Clippers okay. need to accept it, though. Like, it's okay. not like it's a I'm of leaving. Of course. Of course. I mean, He's I think Kawhi needs to five more years. Kawhi needs to leave for Paul George to be available. And even if that's the case, he's going to be a Nick or a Hawk. Hmm. So on that note, let me get to Needy Aurora's 499 dono. Hey, I know you. You interact a lot on Twitter. Thank you for the dono. Uh, how about how about DeRozan plus Lowry? What's the way to make that work? You're operating over the cap, I think, and like executing signing trades. Ways. Like uh, you don't have the cap space to get to both of them. And I think even if you cleared out all the lo- lower level uh, contracts on your books, I still don't think you'd have enough to pay those guys a combined 45, 50 million that it's going to take to sign them with cap space. So. You're probably operating over the cap. You're picking well, up team options, and then you're trying to execute signing trades. Well, with DeRozan, you hope that he opts in. 25, you right? Right, you right. You tell DeRozan to opt in for the year, and then you pick up Iguodala. Uh, let's say you want to get sentimental with Goran. You keep Goran. You pick up Iguodala. Then you pick up – you put 
Precious in the deal. So you do Iggy, Precious, KZ. And you send that over to San Antonio for DeRozan. And then you do uh, a sign-and-trade, a double sign-and-trade with Lowry, meaning Duncan would have to be included. So here you need the Spurs to agree. You need uh, DeRozan to agree into that player option. You need Lowry to agree to come to Miami. And you need the Raptors to agree to take on Duncan for that price. And you need Duncan to approve. That's the thing right there is the Duncan part of where, where that money has to be allocated to Duncan. If Kyle Lowry is firm on wanting 25, let's say he takes 24, you need to pay Duncan 20 to be able to trade match in that scenario. So do the and Raptors really want yes. Right. And do the Raptors even want Duncan at 20? Do they view him as a $20 million a year player or is he more of a $15 million a year player to them? So I think it's a little bit tricky. Um, I think it's doable, but not something anybody should be expecting. And then the last dono we have here is Michael Regalado for the 999 dono. Thank you. We appreciate that. Uh, if we get a yes from Kawhi coming to Miami, then we definitely offer Bam, Hero, KZ, 22, Houston pick swap. You can't trade that pick. Um, oh, uh, yeah, 24, 25 first-round pick if unlocked. Uh, offer Nerlens Noel three years, 28. I actually really like that as a low-key under the uh, under the radar heat target. And sign Jeff Green, Ariza Deadman. That would be an old bench. Um, who are you trading? Who are you trading Bam for and Hero? I think you're trading Bam probably to the Thunder in the scenario that I proposed earlier, where you get oh, back for, a bunch for of those a Kyle Lowry. Uh, I mean, you don't even have to move Tyler or KZ, right? Or any of the picks. That's if you're exactly moving, what I was if, thinking. If you're moving Bam, you get all. You probably get those picks if you need them. But again. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. And you might you might not need them. Well, I would be like Daryl Morey during the Harden stuff. Be like, that. Do you want Ben Simmons or do you want all the picks and pick swaps? Like you're not right. getting both. But no, that's but how who, I would who be is with this them. trade for? I mean, I think you're saying like a sign and trade to the Clippers. That's how I understood it. But maybe I'm, I, maybe no, that no, is no, no, scenario no. From before. The way the way it's worded makes it seems like you get a yes from Kawhi, then you move Bam, Hero, KZ, and a bunch of picks. But that's not something you would need to do for Kawhi, I guess. That's not something you would need to do. If he commits to Miami, then uh, he's it's a free for Lillard. Eater. It's for Lillard. Oh, uh, that, would, that would be a Lillard-Kawhi scenario. Listen, no, hey, I would just I'm do all over it. Just Bam. Bam to the Thunder. Bam to the Thunder, you get the picks. No, no Bam, Bam to uh, the Blazers. Or the picks that you would get from the Thunder, whatever they prefer. Right. Hmm. I'm with that. Uh, that's the scenario, to say the least. That's the one I tweeted out a few days ago, more or less. Mm-hmm. Hope trafficking, Ariel. Yep. Love to see it. That's what we, we love do it. around here. So, uh, Alex, I think you have to go in one minute. Suns, yeah. Nuggets, who gets it? I kind of alluded to it earlier. I'm going to say Suns, but I'm not – I don't have a lot of conviction with that pick. Like, mm-hmm. I'm just that much of a believer of Jokic. Uh, I think the Suns is a better team. And I think they'll win it, but I wouldn't be surprised if, if Jokic and the Nuggets somehow pulled it out. Like, it feels like he, 
the the other guys step up, it feels like you know it, it's so like it's so guaranteed that he's gonna do his thing and make other guys better and step up in big moments. Because I remember that was always a concern, like the the those first couple of years with Jokic uh, when he was first turning into this guy with this load, and so he can do it, right? I think they have enough there to to, to step up, but. To me, the Suns seem like this is a team that's going to the conference finals. We're going to get the whole Chris Paul stuff, and that is that is made for me. I love Chris Paul, man. I, I want to see it, and I want to see him versus the Clippers. Like, I need to see that. His old team, you know, he, he would be the underdog, I think, because Kawhi and Paul George were have, are supposed to be, you know, one of the three best teams in the league for the past two years or whatever. So I would love to see that, and so – that is going to inform my opinion. I'm going to say the Suns win in six. Okay. Marco. Sun. No analysis there. Just, just narrative BS. That's all. We love it. Uh, wow. Uh, this is a coin flip. Like, even more so than I thought that the Nuggets and Blazers was. Uh, don't remind me that I picked uh, the Blazers and that. Uh, somebody should have helped Dame. Uh, anyway, yeah, I have the... I guess I have the Suns in seven. Like, the home court advantage is probably the only thing swaying me right now. Uh, and I'm curious as to how long Jokic lasts. Uh, he's one of the few guys left from the, like, the teams that were uh, in the Final Four last year. Uh, how long is he going to hold up? Uh, maybe he holds up forever because he's Jokic and he never goes past two miles an hour. Uh, <laughs> Doesn't need to move a lot. Yeah. So, I. I'm curious about that and see, like, if he ever runs down. Like, even Luka Doncic, like, ran uh, out of gas eventually, carrying as much as he did. Uh, uh, Jokic has a little bit better of a supporting cast so far. They've uh, shown up at least a little bit in the playoffs. And I'm curious as to how uh, the Suns guard Jokic, because uh, Jokic talked about how Aiton plays him really well, and that was surprising to hear. Mostly... You hear guys say, oh, this guy can't guard me or nobody can guard me. Jokic was like, yeah. Do you think it was Giannis fake love? Uh, you know, uh, Jokic is the type of dude to, uh, I wouldn't, to be I wouldn't put it past him. Like He's like he's the okay, funniest okay. guy in the league. So <laughs> I wouldn't so put it past him. It just uh, When he said that, I was like, really? It, DeAndre Aiden gives you the most trouble? I mean, I know I he's guess, gotten better, but it, that, that was definitely like, I wouldn't think of him as being the guy like with the right frame to bother Jokic. I think it's because uh, DeAndre's very uh, – he has a good base. Like, when he defends Strong. guys posting up, and he's also very long. He's one of the – that's where the David Robinson comparisons came from when he came out of college. Uh, I never got him uh, until he started playing because he has the soft touch that David uh, used to have, or at least from what I remember watching uh, on Hardwood Classics when I was a kid. Uh, and uh, I think that's probably uh, what he thinks of. Uh, Bam gives him trouble sometimes. Uh, last year, he actually guarded him really well when I was looking at the numbers uh, because he's also like a strong guy who has, who has range. Uh, you would think like Anthony Davis would be that guy, but he was torching him last year too. He was torching everybody. Uh, so I, I think that might be a real thing. Uh, to what extent, that's what the series might be decided on. How long are they going to go with single coverage? Are they ever going to bring another guy? The Blazers tried that. Nurkic got in foul trouble like every other game. So you wonder how long it's going to take for them to double. Are they ever going to double? Are they just going to say, okay, Jokic, you're going to have to score 60 points to win uh, against us. We don't care if you do that. At least everybody else is getting like single digits. We're fine with that. We're going to live with Austin Rivers killing us. He might do it for a game. Maybe that'll happen. And I think I trust them to have a game plan 
And for the Nuggets to maybe run out of that magic that they currently have, it's just hard for me to really pick a team decidedly. Like, I don't think anybody's going to come out of this in four games or five games. I'd be surprised about that. Uh, I'm just going to stick with the Suns because I'm going to be rooting really hard for Chris Paul to make conference finals finally. And I I really want to see that Clippers matchup too. So you said you don't see this series. I know Alex... Have fun on My five bad. on the floor. We'll be Boston Man is calling. Yeah, check out Thanks five for on the joining floor. us. Thank you, guys. It was fun. Uh, was sorry for geeking out about all the different trades. Get out of here. Get You're out. only missing six years slander. Don't worry. Oh, you got to come back. <laughs> no, I'm going to wave that flag at a, at a later date, but I'll be waving it. <laughs> all right, guys. All right. All right. Uh, Margo, so to your point, you said that you don't see this series ending, and you said that you think the Nuggets magic will continue a little bit. I no, actually I think this series – Oh, no, no, no. I know, I know. But you said, like, the Magic will carry them to win two or three games in the series. I actually think it's Suns in five. And I understand Jokic oh, has been wow. really, really good. I just – unless Michael Porter Jr. takes another step, I don't see another player consistently giving the Nuggets enough. I understand Jokic can elevate a team. But I just think the Suns, what they have, they, they can do everything. And the only thing I'm worried about is their backup five. Outside of that, I think they're just through and through the better team – um, I think Monty Williams is doing a better coaching job than Mike Malone, which is crazy because Mike Malone is a really, really good coach. But I just think the way that they play basketball is just really, really good, and it translates to the playoffs. I mean, the Suns are just a really hard team to beat. Devin Booker, he had a rough first few games in the playoffs, and then he really started to turn it on. Then you saw it in game six. He had uh, 30, 40. I don't even remember exactly what it was that he had, but he was just going nuclear on the Lakers. And I think that's only going to get easier. He's going to see easier guard defenders than he saw against the Lakers. So I think Booker is just going to really make a name for himself in this series. And I I have the Suns winning in five. No disrespect to Jokic. I think he wins them one game. He might win them two. But I I just think the Suns team as a whole, without Jamal Murray on the Nuggets, is so much better than the rest of this Nuggets team. Yeah. Gad Gad went where I wanted to go. Um, I I also have the Suns. uh, I was going to say five or six. I'm going six because – Nikola Jokic has been the best player in the NBA this season. I think he's good for, like Gad said, one, probably two games. Um, but the Suns just have more. Uh, a lot of Jokic's supporting, like the, the the role players that, you know, have stepped up and been really good for them are, are wings, general, right? Like they're all perimeter guys. Uh, the Suns have really good perimeter defenders to throw at those dudes. And as far as the whole Jokic thing is concerned, DeAndre Ayton's not going to stop him. Nobody can stop Nikola Jokic. He has too deep of a bag and, and such an array of moves that he's always going to have a counter for anything you throw at him. But DeAndre Ayton's pretty well suited to at least slow him down and take a couple of things away from him. Um, that dude played phenomenally well in the Lakers series. I think he's really starting to assert himself as a really good young big. And I've never been a big Ayton guy, but it's it's I think it's becoming undeniable at this point. Uh, I think Chris Paul ends up winning the battle uh, between him and Jokic in terms of who controls the pace more because I feel like the Suns are more malleable. I think we talked about this on one of the last couple of episodes in terms of the pace that they can play at. So can the Nuggets. I just think with Chris Paul pushing the pace, the Suns are better equipped. Uh, If they want to play a slow, deliberate style, they've got Devin Booker in the half court. He can dice you up and do whatever he wants. Uh, We saw him have a monster series against the Lakers. I think that continues, and I'm going Suns in six. Smart man. I just the, the Suns shot makers. I just trust them more than I trust the Nuggets shot makers. And mm-hmm. I guess the principle would also apply for the Blazers series. But that team could not card a park car. So very different. Uh, Adam, who do you have in the series? 
taking the Suns, I think uh, the, the series will be decided on the Suns guards versus the Nuggets forwards, in, in a sense. Uh, who's going to perform at a better rate? And I just think that the Suns are going to because, look, the Suns team reminds me a lot of the Heat last year in the bubble. Uh, they have a bunch of guys that switch. They're all lengthy. Uh, they have guys that can defend at every position. Uh, and the Nuggets, they're missing a lot of their their best players. They're missing some offensive firepower with Jamal. Uh, honestly, I uh, to me, it just seems like you can consistently count on Jokic and Michael Porter Jr. for this Nuggets team. And I I just think that the Suns, overall, they're they're a much better team and the toughest team they they have that they're going to face, in my opinion, were the Lakers. Mm. So that's indirectly saying Suns in the finals. I respect that. Putting words in your mouth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think, Gad, you brought up the back – or I think Ariel did uh, – the backup five situation. Yes. Uh, it was Gad. Gad yeah, it's Gad. Uh, the backup five thing. I think in this series you're going to be able to play Dario Saric a little more where you couldn't mm. last series. Uh, this series, you can definitely put him on Paul Millsap. He's not going to beat you off the dribble like that. Dario is a good post-up uh, defender, and I think he gives you an, really uh, good offensive numbers. Uh, this year, he was one of the best backup bigs until like late in the season where he got hurt. He just never looked the same, and he started coming back. He got rushed, and he got cooked in that Lakers series. He got replaced by Frank Kaminsky. <laughs> I think this series, you're going to be able to play him at those minutes to where – you can match their uh, five-out lineup that they bring out. Uh, probably put uh, Jamichael. You can put him on Jamichael Green as well. There's a lot yeah. of guys that you can hide him on. Uh, and you're going to survive those minutes, and that helps in keeping DeAndre Ayton fresh because they were getting killed in those minutes where he mm-hmm. uh, sat in the last series. Yep. So I think you're going to be a little more fine with that. Um, really quick, before we switch to the Eastern Conference, who has a better series, Monte Morris or Campaign? Marco, you go first. Ooh, Monte, I uh, I actually wrote something early in the year uh, on my uh, Substack about I gave him the eighth man of the year prediction award, <laughs> and he like he won that on the landslide in my eyes at least my fake award so he gets it. Uh, so yeah, I'm gonna say Monte Morris. Even though I like the story of campaign, yeah, he's had a great uh, resurgence. Uh, he's one of he shoots sideways. Good for him, but I'm going with Monte. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm there. I'm going to go Monte as well. He should be a, a better player than campaign. I mean, he definitely is a better basketball player than campaign, but uh, just want to shout out campaign one more time. We did that last week. He was awesome in that series. Uh, I think he has another impact in this series, but Monte Morris, better player. I'm going with him. Adam. I just, I'm going to go with the team that, uh, the, the guy that plays for the team, I think is going to win campaign uh campaign was a difference maker against the lakers and i think he's going to continue to do so and he's going to beat up on austin rivers campaigning for campaign i love it i'm gonna go campaign too i just i love his story i love he's playing with so much pace and it's weird to see a player just come into his own in like his first big playoff series but i mean chris paul left the game and obviously they missed him but campaign was able to give you a facsimile of what chris paul gives you and that alone is enough and then if you do that against the nuggets then that's going to be a really interesting matchup with monte morris and campaign uh faku also involved in there as well but let's get to the teams that are going to play in about 15 minutes from now the bucks and nets nets won the first game it was pretty decisive uh, i watched the majority of that game outside of the harden injury um doesn't look like james harden is going to be 100 percent for the rest of this series so not talking about the game as a whole tonight let's talk about the series 
Who do you guys have winning this series? The Vegas odds did not change with the Nets winning that game. So I think Harden makes a big impact on this series. The Bucks obviously shot poorly. Doesn't look like they probably shouldn't do that the entire series, but they have been shooting very poorly throughout these playoffs. Who do you guys have winning the series? Adam, we'll go back around with you. Oh, it's tough uh, because it's all depending on James Harden and his availability. I think that the Nets threw the first punch and the Bucks didn't respond well. I don't think Bud responded at all. He just got <laughs> knocked out. Um, right, He did with five minutes left in the game. Um, I don't know. It's depending on James Harden and his availability, but if the Nets win today, it's a wrap. Ooh, it's no faith in the Milwaukee home crowd? <laughs> no. I mean, if James Harden – you're winning without James Harden and the Nets that were a sub-500 team go 2-0 on the, on the Bucks, who were supposedly ready for the playoffs and were believed to be, I guess, the Heat and Nets stopper because they have all the pieces that you need in order to beat the Nets. You can't even beat them without their full complement of roster. I, I just think – if the Nets win today, it's over. Uh, but if the Bucks steal this one and James Harden's availability is still in question, which I believe it will be for as far as they go, his availability will be in question. Uh, I'm going to take the Bucks in seven. Ooh. Okay, that's a take. Ariel? So I'm very glad that I had the benefit of seeing game one before giving my opinion on this series. If I'm going to be entirely honest with you all, I had the Bucks in six or seven going into the series. However, I did not anticipate that Coach Budenholzer would go back to being the coach that he's historically been, which is probably an oversight on my part. Um, because I thought he coached a really good series against the Heat in the first round. Yeah, then, Coach Pro, that's for sure series of his life uh but then in game one against the against the nets katie and Kyrie were on the court together for 38 minutes in that game brooke Giannis, and chris middleton the bucks best three-man lineup don't, don't say it we're on the court for 20 total minutes together <laughs> 20 that was your best lineup they started the fourth quarter, if I remember correctly, with some iteration of a it was, like. I, I know exactly. Do what you remember saying. the lineup? It Go was ahead, well. It was. I don't know. I know the guard, the the front court, no, the back court. Yeah. Back court. It was Jeff Teague and Pat Connaughton. So I instantly looked away. I went to the bathroom and I came back and they were down like ten more points than they were before that. That's, that, yes. that 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 single iteration of a lineup is probably the reason why they will lose this series. So the so that thank you. That's exactly. I wasn't going to remember the lineup, but that's exactly where I was going. Um, throughout the course of that game, the Bucks couldn't make shots. I expect them to shoot better from three. Uh, when that happened in Game One against the Heat, they came back in the next game and couldn't miss a three. So I anticipate definitely some positive regression there. But uh, I think the Nets, even without James Harden, man, they just have too much on the offensive end to where like the shot making is elite. The ball movement is superb. That thing, like everything they do is with such precision and they get to whatever they want. You cannot bother them. So when they have James Harden, it's an embarrassment of riches. I think they, I, you know, like it's just too much. It's too much for the Bucks. I was going to go Bucks. I've totally switched my opinion based on literally the first game, which I try not to do. I'm going <laughs> Nets in, in six. <laughs> Marco, uh, I think Adam brought up a great point that if the Nets win this game tonight, uh, it's a wrap. Uh, I, if you can't beat them without James Harden and you can't beat them when last game where Kevin Durant 
and Kyrie Irving went four for 15 from three, uh, you're not winning this series, especially if Chris Middleton's not going to be at least the second best player on the Bucks. Uh, mm. Where what happened I guess, to Chris? What happened to him? Exactly. Like last season, uh, this happened too. This happens through him in a lot of playoffs. Uh, two years ago against the Raptors, he was like invisible. Like Norman Powell was clamping him up. Uh, he's a good defender, but you, you should be showing a little more than that. And against Miami, he had only like one and a half good games. That one game. When that, Duncan guarded him, that was the good game. Yeah. The one and a half. That was their only game that they won. Uh, so he has the tendency to like disappear. Uh, I, I know Nikaiz isn't going to like me slandering uh, Chris Middleton. He, he needs to be better. Uh, so does Drew. Drew only made like seven of 19 from the field. Yeah, uh, you got to be better than that, especially even defensively. There were a lot. The net, the Nets did a great job of cutting uh, without the ball. They were beating them in the dunker spot like crazy. They were getting layups, which like as a Bucks team, that's not the thing you give up. But with Blake Griffin actually drawing Brook Lopez out to the perimeter, uh, I'm like uh, certain someone we won't bring up. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, uh, that's gonna be trouble for you in the paint if Brook Lopez isn't there in the middle throughout the game. Uh, there's really no need for him. Uh, you can post him up as much as you want. The Nets are going to want that. As long as the ball isn't in the big three, I guess you can say, in their hands, they're fine with the post up. They're going to live with that. Uh, Brooke can kill whoever. They're, they're not going to care. Uh, Giannis did enough for them. I think he put up like 34 and 11. And you're going to live with that. I guess you're going to have to live with him being the only guy. As long as the rest of the team isn't shooting well, it's not going to be. It's going to be maybe a five-game series if James Harden comes back in the third game and they win tonight. Uh, I'm going to cautiously say, but uh, the Nets in six, though, uh, and especially if uh, James Harden comes back in Game Three, uh, I don't trust the the Bucks to adjust as much uh, if he, if they don't win tonight. Uh, I'm very interested also in the matchup that but. But puts uh, Drew Holiday, if he keeps him on Kyrie throughout the game, or if he switches that up uh, by – because he used to put him on Kevin Durant in the regular season. Like, he would get up under him. Maybe he does a little more to bother them. Uh, they switch to a more up on the screen with Brooke because Kevin Durant's going to kill you in the drop coverage. He loves the mid-range shot. Like, you can't mm-hmm. run that. It's a death sentence. So I wonder if they change that up a little or if they saw the way that – Blake Griffin was beating uh, Brooke on those uh, dive cuts. Are they going to be like, oh, never mind. We're, we're just going to stay in a straight drop. I'm very interested if they make that adjustment. Uh, otherwise, I'm still going to go with the Nets. Yeah, I think it's Nets in six, maybe five, but I'll go with six right now. I think the Bucks have one or two hot shooting games. When they when the Bucks are hitting shots, they're virtually unbeatable. But when they're not, which is happening quite often, uh, they're very beatable. <laughs> it really boils down to that much. And then Blake Griffin being a positive in this series is just – Icing on the cake for that's the Goran Dragic fool's uh, gold. Like, he might not do that again all series. I think I don't but know, it's not even the scoring, it's more so like him as a roller and the ability to pass out of Brooke Lopez being in drop coverage, too. Like, his passing ability is what I think is going to be the X factor. I don't think he's going to get 18, but like yeah. Brooke Lopez standing down there and then Griffin having the ability to pretty much hit any area of the court from that open space is going to make an impact hitting cutters, corner shooters, whatever. One thing I would like, I don't know what the starting lineups are, but I would like to see Bryn Forbes start for the Bucks because I don't like him with the ball in his hands. I like him catching passes and shooting. And if James Harden's not going to be there, you don't need 
what, four positive defenders to start. You need more offense probably in that lineup, more catch and shoot, which P.J. Tucker can do. But at the same time, I feel like I prefer him as a defender off the bench. I like bring Forbes as a shooter, as a starter. Adam, you look like you have something to say here. Yeah, I mean, it's my issue with the Bucks is is Bud. It's just Bud. Uh, <laughs> I don't. Why is he overthinking things? Why isn't he just playing? It's why is PJ Tucker on Kevin Durant when you have a guy that was born in a laboratory in Giannis Antetokounmpo, born to defend Kevin Durant, sitting there in the corner not defending him? You know, like you have the team to pick this. Nets defense or Nets defense apart and to stop them or slow them down offensively. Especially without Harden. Mm-hmm. Especially without Harden, who is, I think, is their their focal point. Their most yes. he's, their, he's probably their best player. Yeah, I agree. And right. he's more so, most valuable, I'll say, to their offense. So why is Giannis not guarding Kevin Durant? Why do you have slow PJ Tucker on Kevin who could just shoot right over him? Because they traded for him. They no, because they gotta make they, the GM look smart. They they prefer Giannis off the ball because he's just a monster there. But I agree with you. Like I I feel like there needs to be more Giannis on ball reps against uh, the Nets' best guys, namely Kevin Durant. And I think the other thing, as long as, as you know, while we're here slandering Bud, uh, <laughs> Brooke Lopez was awesome in that game. Right, he was really good for them. He had 19 and five on eight of 11, played 27 minutes. Uh, Giannis had a monster game, had 34, 11, and four with two blocks. He played 35 minutes. I, it's not I, the regular season. I don't know about Brooke. I don't know about Brooke, though, for this, this yeah. series. It's just Kyrie is way too fast and way too smart against the Bucs, uh, especially on the interior. He could do whatever he wants, and I don't think Brooke can do anything to catch up. You're right. Theoretically, that's why they have Drew Holiday. He's supposed to be able to stay in front of Kyrie, but, of course, it's, it's not going to happen. You, you can't stay in front of Kyrie. The only thing you could do is impede him from mm-hmm. get, like getting to the rim by or impeding his vision by uh, getting that second help defender, a, a guy like Brook. But I, I, I just don't, I don't like it. I mean, what I, what I would, what I would do is I would put PJ Tucker on, let's say, for instance, Claxton, and I would live with whatever happens. Yeah, you know, I'd much rather Giannis on Kevin than PJ Tucker on Kevin. I totally agree with that. I mean, they put Giannis on Jimmy Butler, and Jimmy Butler has not been seen since then. So I, it's, it's really a simple recipe. At least, like, if, put iron with iron. Stop putting, trying to put P.J. Tucker on Kevin Durant. It doesn't make sense. Anyways, enough Bud slander. Uh, hopefully they'll be able to turn it around. I still think the Nets are going to win this series pretty decisively, but I'd like to see a good series. I'd like to see the Bucks get a few wins in there. Uh, also, for the Heat's sake, don't want to see them look that terrible. But anyways, so – uh, I got some crazy stats here before we get into the Sixers. Uh, first, on the there's no minimum for volume here, but guess who the most efficient isolation player in the NBA was through round one? Points per possession. Most efficient? Most efficient. The highest points per possession in isolation in round one. And there's no minimum. It can be bench guys. It can be scrubs. Dylan Brooks. No, he's in the top 12 for a different category. Bryn Forbes. Marco? Uh, Brooke Lopez. <laughs> okay, Gabe Vincent in one isolation possession hit a three. Oh, so that, that was fun. Um, I did want to point out, Dame, uh, on seven isolation possessions per game in six games, he was averaging 1.65 points per possession. <laughs> The next closest on two or more isolation possessions per game was Kawhi at 1.355 on four isolation possessions game. 
There was 12 players that were over one isolate one points per possession. Uh, Dylan Brooks was one of them. I believe he was like ninth. Uh, so that was a good guess. But so I believe there's about 192 players that have played in these playoffs so far. Of 159 of them that have taken a free throw in these playoffs, Ben Simmons is currently the third worst in free throw percentage at 34.2%. Robin Lopez and Preston Chua at 25% are the worst, of course. And this is the crazy stat of the week. Rajon Rondo in these playoffs is shooting 35.3% from three. So from the limited sample size that we have from round one and the beginning of round two, Rajon Rondo has a better chance of hitting a three than Ben Simmons has a chance of hitting a free throw. With this information, and Ariel, we'll start with you. Who wins this Hawks Sixers series now that the Hawks have home court? I feel like I'm being counted on to slander the Sixers here. No, no, I will... no. Whatever you want to do. Okay, well, I I'm going to pretend. Make the right decision, though. I'm going to pretend like that's what's happening because I want to slander the Sixers. Um, man, to get, I mean, you know what? I'm not going to slander the Sixers all that much. I'm going to take this opportunity to pump up the guy that's impressed me the most in this playoffs, and that's Trey Young. Because I think that, you know, his bursting onto the scene and really asserting himself as a as a elite-level playoff performer in that series against the Knicks, I had some, you know, it, it looked to me like maybe, okay, you know, that was cute, that was fun. You're going to run into Philly, and they just have too much. Nobody's going to be able to slow down Embiid. They're going to, you know, defensively, they have the guys to throw a tray where they can slow him down, and he can't get to what he wants to, and the Sixers are going to smoke them. And then game one happened, and Trey Young – and his cast of just that slew of shooting and and off the dribble attacking guards and wings just eviscerated the Sixers. Like, I know that the final score ended up being cosmetically a little bit uh, closer than the game actually was. Part of that due to the fact that the Sixers were pressing the crap out of the Hawks at the end of the game and the Hawks tried their hardest to lose that game. But uh, what they had done throughout the course of the game held up because, man, Trey was unbelievable. I didn't even feel like he was trying if that makes any sense and he finished with 35 and 12 uh the Sixers have no answers for him he's drawing fouls on everybody he gets to his shot and gets to his spots doesn't matter where he is or who's guarding him you go under on the pick and roll he kills you you go over the pick and roll he gets into the paint gets to his spots he's got floaters he can spread to shooters like there's nothing you can do to really stop that guy you can send uh help and hope that he doesn't make the make the skip pass but frequently he's going to make that pass Bogdanovich is a clutch guy. Like that dude makes big shots. He's not afraid of the moment. I just think I'm starting to feel like the Hawks are the better team. Like, I don't think it's anomalous to feel like they're shooting and everything that they have will hold up. Um, that game was really interesting. One of the better games I thought of the playoffs. I am going with, I'm going with the Hawks here. I don't know if you asked for a prediction, but I'm going with the Hawks in this series. I think they win this in six or seven. I didn't even have to try to get it out of you. You just gave it. I That's wanted beautiful. to. That's beautiful. Okay. Um, so, that was a take. Marco, what's your <laughs> take? Oh, God. Uh, my take is that, that Doc Rivers continues to put Danny Green's uh, wobbly knees on Trey Young. I'm going to stick with uh, – I'm going to go with the Hawks for the series. Uh, that was absurd. Did you guys see at the end of the game, they wanted to foul Trey and uh, Danny Green – tried to chase him around and he couldn't foul him. <laughs> so <laughs> and that's where that's where the alley oop to John Collins came. Uh, uh that's how that came about because they couldn't foul him. 
if they continue to do that, the Hawks are going to win this series. I, I don't think they will. But, man, a Doc Rivers team, I just have a hard time trusting to take care of business. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to stick with the Sixers and uh, seven, uh, especially Embiid. Still look like a monster with, like, one knee out there. Uh, if he's going to continue to do that, I guess I'll have to stick with the Sixers. But the Sixers still lost that game. That's what uh, would scare me if I'm a Philadelphia fan. Uh, they also have to change a lot of their coverages because that drop, even with Embiid, as good as a defender as he is, Trey Young mitigates that with that floater because that floater yeah. is a giant killer, as our friend uh, John Crotty likes to say. Uh, it, and it, it's a it's a kill the kill the Sixers situation. And I think as long as they're going to not use any other kind of coverage, they did try to do a lot of uh, uh, traps, but I get, the Hawks are too good of a team for that. They're, they're too good of a shooting team. Uh, Clint Capella is a really good uh, roller in the in-between game, so he's going to find those shooters out in the corner, especially with shooters like uh, Bogdanovich, who who's shooting like Duncan Robinson since March. But he can uh, pass and drive. Yeah, and that's that's the danger. If he's going to be the guy that who's your outlet, he's going to either shoot it or he's going to find somebody else who also can shoot it. And they did that without DeAndre Hunter, too. And he's like their best uh, defender for Ben Simmons. And that's going to come in handy later in the series, uh, especially uh, if Simmons just finally decides to show up. Uh, Chef Charlie showed that Ben Simmons did his one drive of the game to make it look like he's trying. And I hate that he's right because he is, because he does that a lot. In series, he can disappear for like three quarters and finally show up when it's too late. Uh, that's my big thing is, are they going to change any of those coverages? Are they going to trap it more? Maybe a 2-2-1 uh, full court. Maybe try to get the ball out of Trey's hands. But if the Hawks are going to make 23s at least, uh, they're going to have a good chance to win the series. But I'm going to stick with the Sixers and the Seven because I got and I hate it because a Doc Rivers team, uh, I hate it. It's going to go seven. seven. Yeah, Doc Rivers in game seven. That's a bold. That's another take. Adam. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I'm going to keep it short. Uh, two things. Tom Thibodeau won Coach of the Year. Unfortunately. What? Wow. And uh, I'm wow. going to go Sixers are going to go four and one over the next five games. So you have Sixers in six. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So you trust Ben Simmons? Uh, no, I trust Joel. Who else? That's where I'm going with. Yeah. I, you trust, I, I trust, trust anybody else? I trust Joel, Matisse's defense. Okay. And I trust Seth Curry's shooting. Ah. Do you, here's, a, here's a question I'll put for you guys. Do you think Matisse starts a game eventually in this series over Danny Green? In or Atlanta. Or Seth Curry? In Atlanta. I think so, too. Yeah, I could see it. I think he probably should, but... Man, like, I don't know. I don't know what Doc's doing. Like, that that game one, I, I found so many. Like, he rolled out a lineup early in the in the fourth quarter bench, where right? it was, well, almost all bench. But what was happening was the Hawks had uh, Lou Will, Bogdanovich, Kevin Herter, Danilo Gallinari on the court at the same time, and they were getting stops. The Sixers couldn't score. Why? Well, the Sixers lineup on the court was Ben Simmons, Tyrese Maxey, George Hill, Matisse Thibel, Furkan Korkmaz. I mean, like, what are you doing? Furkan's a scorer you, there. <laughs> I mean, what are you doing? My like, lineup how, guards itself half the time in the half court. That's a problem. They need to get out and run. When they do that, the Sixers are dangerous, but they weren't. The, the Hawks controlled the pace. So if Ben Simmons isn't going to be that aggressive, he needs to be the pacemaker on both ends of the floor. 
And one, one quote that I found very telling today from Doc Rivers, I thought it was interesting. Uh, this is from Tom Moore of Philly. Uh, I believe he works for USA Today. He said, this is Doc Rivers talking about Ben Simmons. He said, Ben wasn't on Trey Young a lot. We want him on Trey, but not a lot. Trey is very good at drawing fouls. Two things to take away from that. One, Doc Rivers is scared of Trey Young, which is just crazy that we're at this point with Trey Young already, where he's inflicting fear into the opposing defense. He's 6'1 with a 6'2 wingspan, and he weighs about 175 pounds soaking wet. But that man is a killer. Do not get it twisted. He is a killer. He's Trey Young, I was not <laughs> – looks like a dirty Q-tip. I don't care. He is a killer of a dirty Q-tip. That boy has been hooping, and he is, he's really scared. I'm excited to see how that crowd reacts when Trey Young is doing this in the second round against a, as the underdog against Philly in Atlanta. Because he has that, he has that type of swagger and that charisma, that electricity, that anytime he's, he goes, he takes a floater, everyone goes nuts. He gets free throws, everyone goes nuts. He tries to flop on Joel Embiid, pushing him at the free throw line. Everyone goes nuts. I mean, that, that's the kind of stuff that Trey Young does. I'm, honestly, I've become a really big fan of his, and I never really was. Um, in this series, I think it's going to be interesting. I'm excited to see how Doc Rivers reacts and then how Nate McMillan is able to plug in DeAndre Hunter eventually in this series. I don't know if he's playing tomorrow or if he's going to play game three, game four. But DeAndre Hunter, I mean, I kind of said it last series, but I feel like he's going to be another X factor in this series. If he's able to, to do a number on either Tobias or Ben Simmons, that changes the series. Because Joel, is he's a one-man army, but he can't do it all alone. Seth Curry was out there helping last game. He did his best. Uh, Tobias Harris is going to need to do more. If I don't know how much he did last game, but he's going to need to do more. Ben Simmons is going to need to do more. And they need Danny Green to start hitting those pull-up transition threes because he was killing momentum for them. <laughs> he took like three or four transition threes where he he missed again. Tyler again. Hero. He, it, yeah, Tyler Hero looks like Lionel Richie in Philadelphia. It's crazy. But Danny Green needs to show up. I feel like he's another X factor for Philly because if you have another shot maker that can hit wide open shots, because you're going to get them. Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid will collapse the paint. But if you have another shot maker outside of Seth Curry and maybe Tobias Harris, then you are in good shape. But I think it'll still be Sixers in seven. But if the Hawks are able to, like, the Sixers almost have to win three in a row, I feel like. Or whoever wins games three, honestly. Whoever wins game three is going to win this series. But the Hawks are dangerous, and I would not be surprised in the slightest if they won this series. It's going to be really, really fun to watch. I'm super excited to watch it. Uh, any last words before we head out? I want to thank Adam for joining us. Yeah, thank you for having Cap me. Cap King. Yeah. That was Cap 101. Adam Ellisberg, we appreciate you. I've got more. I've got more stuff. Oh, no, don't worry. We have a long offseason, Adam. It's very, very I know. long. I know. We'll be ready to go. Uh, there's no Manny today, so I can't tell Manny to play the video. But you guys in the comments, thank you very much for the donations, uh, for just blowing up the comment section. We appreciate it. It's always a good time reading those comments, whether we get to them or not. Most of the times, if we're not talking, we're able to read them. Thank you guys very much. Hopefully, it's another good week of basketball the same way it was last week. And that's it. Play the video, Adam. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, 
you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.